Welcome to the podcast, everyone. One of the annual publications I always look forward to is the Household Diary Study. This is a publication that has been continuously done since 1987 and measures the types and volumes of mail sent and received by U.S. households, tracks trends in mail volume or mail usage over time, and compares some demographic characteristics of mail usage by household. It's over 200 pages of interesting information that, frankly, every mail service provider should look at each year, as it provides very important information about market trends and forces that are impacting our industry. About 5,200 households participated in this year's study. This year's report, which really is a reflection of 2021, noted the continued decline in overall mail volume. Total mail volume for 2021 was nearly 130 billion pieces, of which 104 billion were sent to households. 7 billion pieces were mailed from households, which unfortunately reflects the continued divergence of bill payment from mail to electronic. In fact, 79% of bills were paid electronically in 2021. 10 years ago, it was more of a 50-50 split between paying bills electronically versus paying them through the mail. So quite a change uh, over the last 10 years. But of course, advertising is now the predominant use of the mail, and it accounted for 60% of all mail volumes sent and received by households. While mailers use both first-class and marketing mail to send advertisements, marketing mail is still the predominant class of mail for advertising. 89% of advertising mail received by households consisted of marketing mail, which was roughly 60 billion pieces. First-class mail advertising was 3.6 billion pieces. So clearly you can see that marketing mail, hence the name, is the predominant way to market through the U.S. Postal Service. Sadly, periodical mail volume continues to decline over the last 10 years, periodicals fell 39% as readership and circulation levels fell sharply across all categories of periodicals. Periodicals consist of primarily magazines, newspapers, and newsletters, of which magazines is the predominant form at 70% of the overall periodical mail volume uh, that each household receives. And that's about 3.6 billion pieces of periodicals in 2021. Of course, the big mail volume growth story continues to be packages. The pandemic generated a surge in e-commerce, which resulted in a 27% growth in package volume delivered to households in 2020. That growth trend did continue into 2021, although a little bit lower, with a 10% increase in year-over-year -year versus 2020. So total package volume for 2021 was about 6.5 billion pieces uh, with that. And again, that reflects the continued use uh, of the Postal Service from an e-commerce aspect. And as I noted earlier, the Postal Service delivered 130 total billion pieces of mail in 2021. And that was actually a 0.2% decline compared to prior years, so relatively flat. However, if you look at it by class of mail, you see that first-class mail continues to be down. In fact, it was down 3.9% versus 2020. And that decline was offset by growth in marketing mail, which increased by 3.4%. And package services overall, which grew by 3.5%. And while it's good to see marketing mail rebound from the pandemic, the reality is that it is far below pre-pandemic levels. The COVID-19 pandemic resulted in a 15.5% decline of marketing mail in 2021 versus prior year as businesses were temporarily closed or went out of business. And sadly, much of the nearly 12 billion pieces of mail that we lost in 2020 because of the pandemic simply are not coming back, at least certainly not in the short term. 
Now, one trend I like to watch closely in the Household Diary study is the percentage of wallet share, as I call it, used for direct mail. This is the percentage of how much overall marketing spending that companies are, are directing towards direct mail versus other forms of communication medium. In 2021, American businesses spent approximately $294 billion in advertising, which is actually a, a large overall increase of 30% compared to prior years, certainly reflective of the country coming out of the pandemic. But unfortunately, only 5% of that was spent on direct mail. And that is unfortunately a continued downward trend from a 9% share in 2011. So just 10 years, in 10 years, we've gone from a 9% wallet share down to a 5% wallet share. So it continues to drop significantly year over year in terms of the wallet share or the amount of money being directed to direct mail. Now, direct mail is still the fourth largest spend for marketers, but that comes after internet, TV, and radio, which are still right now the predominant internet, nearly 50% of, of the overall wallet share. And since advertising mail is meant to sell goods and services to the recipients, it's really no surprise that the volume is targeted toward higher income earners with a post-secondary education or degree. In fact, twice as many mail pieces are received by households with an annual income over $100,000 than those earning less than $35,000 a year. And as far as education goes, households headed by someone with a high school degree received about seven and a half pieces of mail per week, while households headed by a college degree a graduate degree received 10.6 pieces a week. So, you know, quite a bit more on that. But it, so it really comes down to, and again, marketers are pretty astute. They're targeting people with higher income than with college degrees that go along with it because they know they're going to look at the mail pieces and, and they're going to be spending their money. In 2021, we saw for the first time, though, that merchants were no longer the largest mailers of advertising materials in the mail. They now are second compared to the financial industry. Merchants mailed 25% of total marketing mail ads compared to 27% mailed by the financial industry. And whether the households wish to receive more advertising mail or not, the study still found that people value the mail. 49% of all, all households read ads received by the mail. So nearly half of all the households surveyed look at that mail on a regular basis uh, and, and read it through. And an additional 21% of the households scan the mail piece. So you add those two together, you know, you're looking at a significant majority there. Nearly 70% of the households are going to be looking at that mail piece, getting that impression on it. 30, that leaves, of course, 30% of the households reporting to not reading the advertising mail at all. So still, that's, that's great in terms of the impressions. If, if it arrives in the mailbox, you've got a really good chance, 70% chance. They're going to touch it. They're going to open it. They're going to look at it. And hopefully they'll respond to it. And by the way, that percentage is three times higher than 1987, but only slightly higher than 2019 and 2020. Um, you know, the key here is that given the large growth in advertising mail since, since 1987, it seems clear that U.S. households read more advertising mail now than they did in the past, if you start looking at that. As I've noticed in the podcast before, astute marketers use mail to advertise. Well, because it simply works. No other single form of advertising can match the response rate of direct mail. Households reported in this study that they intend to respond to about 10% of either first-class or marketing mail ads. That's huge. 10% response rate, folks. Digital-only advertising, such as email, doesn't even get 1% response rate. So listen up, marketers. If you really want to get the response rate that you're hoping for, you need to leverage direct mail. I understand it's more expensive than advertising, but you're going to get a bigger bang for the buck. Uh, in terms of direct mail. Uh, you just need to use it wisely, and the good news is that there's great technology to be able to make that happen. 
You know, and finally, and perhaps it's a reflection of our overall society, but personal correspondence I noticed through the mail has dropped sharply in the last 10 years. The study reported that 10 years ago, over 3.2 billion greeting cards were mailed. Last year, that dropped to slightly over 2 billion. So over a billion pieces of mail, a billion pieces of uh, greeting cards are not being sent out. That's a sad, sad statement. And letters from friends or relatives have dropped in half from 837 million to 489 million. That too is a really a sad reflection considering, you know, the impact that a personal letter or, or a greeting card can make on the recipient. I know my wife and I still mail Christmas cards every year, a couple hundred of them, in fact, with a letter included and everything. So hopefully you're doing that as well. I know that the recipients certainly appreciate, I know I always appreciate it when I see a card or, or a personal letter in the mail. It's really kind of a lost art. So do check out that household diary study. There'll be a link for the podcast for you to take a look at that. And, and as I said, it's just chock full of great information. But now let's turn to some recent news from the USPS regarding the January 2023 price increase. In partnership with the Postal Early Exchange Committee, or PEAC, as it's known, which is a subcommittee within the Delivery Technology Advocacy Council, or DTAC, which is yet more acronyms to learn in this industry, the USPS has provided some important notices for what is planned with the January 2023 price increase. Now, as a reminder, and there is a clarifying statement with the industry alert that came out on September 13, the USPS has not yet formally presented their, the full plan to the Board of Governors for consideration or to the Postal Regulatory Commission for approval either. The plan changes that were shared uh, are, are sort of a preliminary in here, but they're very important, and we should begin planning accordingly for what really will be some important and transformative changes to the Postal Service's network in an effort to fulfill the Delivering for America plan and to achieve financial stability by 2024. The FAQ and preliminary plan indicate that there will be major structural changes to pre-sorting as well as price adjustments. Some of these will be notably visible, and some will involve sortation schemes that, quite frankly, haven't been touched in decades. So the industry is already fully engaged in order to meet the required implementation date of January 22nd. Some of the more notable changes include preparation for the network redesign that I discussed on a prior podcast. Sectional Center Facilities, or SEFs, will be designated as Local Processing Centers, or LPCs. And Network Distribution Centers, or NDCs, will be designated as Regional Processing Distribution Centers, or RPDCs. And as I noted on the prior podcast, the USPS will be merging tens, if not hundreds, of DDUs into Mega Sort Centers, which will be known as Sorting and Distribution Centers, or SDCs. So we're going to have LPCs, uh, RPDCs, SDCs. Um, so it's going to be a whole bunch of different acronyms that we're going to need to get used to. And these are some of the visible changes that I mentioned that we're going to see. And it means potential, potentially significant changes, of course, to labeling lists and, of course, container uh, labels as well. But some of the changes that will be occurring under the cover, so to speak, of the pre-sort engine will be some significant sortation changes. And of course, as the mega sort centers or SDCs, as we're going to begin to reference them, roll out over what will be probably 18 to 24 months. I think it's going to take a little bit longer than I initially thought. Um, but that's going to result in some significant changes to sortation scheme 
as well as containerization changes. And one containerization change that is already being noted in this preliminary report that we'll see in January is the, the elimination of SACs as containers for flats, acceptance and entry in favor of palletized bundles and flat tubs. So we're going to see far less SACs. In fact, a long time ago, we talked about sacking the SACs, get rid of the SACs. Um, and that looks like we're on that particular path. Uh, going with palletized bundles and flat tubs. There are going to be some circumstances, though, where sacks are going to be allowed. And this is what I was talking about. That's a change that we haven't seen in the pre-sort part of the, you know, the software, the pre-sort software in a long time. That code has been relatively stable for, for decades. Um, so it's going to have to go through some changes now. And we're also going to see the elimination of the FSS sortation and changes to critical entry times for periodical mail. So periodical mailers um, pay close attention. There's going to be some changes here, not only to how it's sorted, how mail is sorted. Uh, eventually, there could be some zone changes. Uh, so a number of things with that that uh, we're going to be going through. Now, in addition to sortation changes, there's also some expanded work share incentives as well. The USPS proposes to include an incentive for mail service providers, which is great, that claim informed delivery promotions successfully on posted statements. So this new mail service provider discount will require a new enrollment process via the business customer gateway where the submitter will provide its permit to receive the incentive upon successful processing of the informed delivery promotion on the posted statement. So it's a way for mail service providers now to directly benefit from doing some of these promotions, which is great because in a lot of ways, they're shouldering most of the work for that. There are also numerous new promotions as well for business reply mail, retargeted mail, personalized color transformation, uh, trans promo mail. So if you're not taking advantage of these promotion discounts, you really need to look into them. There's some new and exciting ways to, to take advantage of, of a promotion. Um, it, it helps lower the postage and your software provider can help you through these. So contact whoever you use for your software to prepare mailings and ask them how you can take advantage of not only these postage uh, discounts, but also to add value to the mail through these promotions. One other discount that I wanted to share, which kind of caught my eye, is really for marketing mail flats. The USPS proposes a discount for flat-shaped marketing mail prepared on LPC, formerly SEF, pallets, regardless of the entry point. And this preparation assures that no bundle sorting is required prior to the final processing plan. That's very, very interesting. So no bundle sorting. It's basically just put the bundles right on this, this uh, LPC pallet and they'll figure it out downstream. Uh, there, that's a very interesting concept. So we're going to watch that closely. And this proposed discount would be applicable to automation flats, non-automation flats, automation and non-automation carrier route flats, high density, high density plus, and that's saturation flats. So, so a whole bunch of different types of flats could be could be involved in this. And what's interesting is that this applies to all the flats only on the pallets. The existing direct container discount, which is limited only to carrier route flats, but the new LPC pallet discount. That's going to be applicable to all these different types of flat sortations that I had mentioned earlier. So this will be further modifications to the discount, but it could be a leading indicator to some major changes to the way that mail is pre-sorted. So stay tuned. There's, I'm certain, certainly there's going to be a lot more to this coming in the future. And finally, as I wrap up this podcast recording, I wanted to note that it is National PCC Week. Major events will be held throughout the nation with USPS officers at various venues as well as exhibitor areas and outstanding industry presentations. The theme for National PCC Week is Facing the Future Together, which is the same theme for the National Postal Forum. In fact, in many ways, this will be a continuation 
of the great discussions and face-to-face collaboration uh, that we saw at the NPF and we're going and we're continuing to see. For, for many PCCs, this will be the first time having a face-to-face meeting since the COVID lockdowns and cancellations. So hopefully an opportunity to rebuild, retool, and strengthen the Postal Customer Council network. Some other events coming up in October include Printing United in Las Vegas, MTAC meetings, uh, POSTCOM meetings, including a 75-year celebration of POSTCOM, and DTAC meetings. Folks, it's going to be a busy October and hopefully a busy fall mailing season and lead up to a major midterm election season. I've already heard from one major printer that is doing a statewide saturation political mailing. So hopefully that is a leading indicator of an increase in mail volume this year. Folks, I want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about mail tracking or how to better automate your mailing workflows, please visit us at bccsoftware.com or give us a call. As always, we'd like to know, how can we help? Thank you for listening to the podcast and have a great day.